Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Ricky and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hello, Steph. Yes, I just an important technical note. Our show notes this week are now in the Arial font. Changed from the Nunito we implemented when Nuno was in charge and somehow left uh, that font in until now. So uh, anyway, right then, shall I carry on, chaps? Without mm. yeah, Okay, on. let me carry on. It's the international <laughs> break, but this being Spurs in April, it's time to talk about the manager's chair over at Hotspur Way. Notably, who the main candidates are to be the next permanent manager of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club uh, and take the reins for Mr. Conti when I's and T's are crossed and dotted, as seems wholly inevitable. So, you know, look, Bear in mind, there might well be an emergency pod to come this week when those I's and T's are dotted. We just want to establish that this pod this week is looking to the prospective candidates. Can can I interrupt there? Yes. We're looking at prospective permanent candidates. And it may well be when the announcement happens, we've got a caretaker until the rest of the season. So we're not looking at caretakers. This could be people who take over in the summer. It might be whoever walks in in the next week or so. Who knows? But it's, yeah, it's permanent candidates we're looking at here. There we are. Clarified as ever excellently by Milo from my uh, weird hybrid uh, English uh, through an American prism. (laughs) We'll have a look at their records to date, right? And we'll be speculating on how well they would fit with us. Uh, But before we start, chaps, I do want to ask you um, a couple of things. Just uh, where's your head been at since the outburst last week? Now you've had a, a, a week or so to digest the whole situation. And what are you looking for in our next manager? You personally. Milo, why don't you start? Um, I won't go over the Conte stuff because we talked we talked about that at length last week. But uh, in terms of next manager, um, I'd like to see us you know, playing more you know, progressive football, uh, trying to hold on to the ball, trying to control games more. Um, and uh, I'm a bit fed up of the kind of star thing, I think. So, um, yeah, maybe just having a bit more of a kind of collective approach just you know, to the team and the club as a whole, I think. Um, so, yeah, probably both of those. And now I'm going to go and contradict that probably within the next half an hour. Excellent work. Ricky. <laughs> well, um, I wasn't here last week. but um, So I was, I mean, after the St. Mary's game, I was kind of um, none, none aware of what was going on in the bowels of St. Mary's. So um, I was like drowning my sorrows in a pint of cider, I think. Um, £2.35, my pint of cider. What about that, what? guys? Yeah, £2.35. £2. Was that at St. Mary's itself? No, it was at the Admiral, which is a pub down the road. And Bloody I actually had hell. to look at the glass she picked up, right, to make sure it was a pint glass, because I thought well, it was going to be a half pint, isn't it? So anyway. it, wasn't all, it wasn't a complete wash then, your day at St. Mary's. That's no, very no, good. it wasn't. £2.35, mean, good. Luckily, I had to go home after that, because I could quite easily drown my sorrows in there all night for £2.35 <laughs> pint. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think my, I think Milo rattled off a list last week of um, Conte's misdemeanours, and I was like nodding along, you know, in agreement yeah. all the ones that he said. But um, I think the thing that made he didn't sit well with me was one that he he'd not even spoken to the players before coming out with all this stuff. Um, and I get that some of it is off the cuff, but I think quite a lot of it as well was probably had in his back pocket for a while, really. But the problem, my main problem, was that it was incomplete. Really, it's complete lack of like self-reflection and self-awareness not an ounce of that in what he had to say at all really so um yeah it was i mean he had a go at us the week before and now he's having a go at seems like everyone else apart from arrows pointing away from his body you know there's nothing pointing towards himself so um and he's you know is, is his position untenable probably after saying that kind of thing it's almost like he's had enough i mean i have a, i mean if i'm in the conte bubble i do have a little bit of empathy in some sense and uh, that would uh, be uh, 
Ah, let's what? let's save it. Let's save okay. it for an emergency pod. Let's not go too far down his down his down his avenue there. Let's let's let's. Okay. It's yeah. I think we'll we'll, we'll save that because it it may well come to pair come to bear in an emergency. Go on, what yeah. I'm interested to know, like you know, just with all of that having gone on, and and obviously yeah. you were at the game last week, so it's really yeah. important. I think that we hear what it felt like from somebody who was at the game. But with all that bearing, like what what did it leave you thinking that you want next in that chair? Um. Well, I think we we found out that the kind of instant winner, winner manager kind of thing is probably a fallacy. And um, I think we need to move away from that back to basically something the positions where we are as a club position, which is basically still that challenger kind of club. Um, we have some still big teams above us that are in our way every, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. They're in our way every season. And I think someone as well that fits in with I think our transfer policy that we actually want to do I know Conte may be not Mm -hmm. that happy with certain aspects of it but I think the new manager that the best of Europe some academy kids prem ready players and we can you know and I don't disagree with probably what Conte said. You might need two two first team players every year to keep that churn going. Because I think maybe learning a lesson from when Poch was here, you need to have a bit of a churn to keep the um keep the mentality of the players tuned up and um, competition for places and that. So just in that mold, really. Another, uh, I suppose, another. Po- I mean, Poch is obviously one of the choices. So um, and so are some of the others. I think they're young, upcoming managers. But I think they have to. I feel they have to probably have a bit of um. They have to be at a certain level of experience. I don't think we can take too much of a long shot on someone. I just found myself in the last week realising that I want a manager back who who loves the club, who understands how big this club is, who understands that we're a historical club of, of immense importance in British football, who understands we are still a very, very big club in British football, who is excited to be with us, who is excited to take on the challenge and, and who, as as you've both said, uh, you know, is, is, is ready to work hard with the players we have and, 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 and develop us into yeah. that, into the, you know, maybe what Poch once had. I, I think that's key, isn't it? It's, um, it's being able to develop the players. I think we've had a, you know, a couple of managers on the trot now, three managers on the trot really who are, who haven't been able to develop players and yeah. you know need need the finished article bought for them. And I don't think that's really sustainable for us. And I think you know buying players with potential and improving them and building a team, I think is probably where we are now. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, what we need. Yeah, I just. Yeah, and you know, I think that would be very exciting. I think we're a, we're a, we're a support base and a football club that really enjoys flourishing talents. I mean, you think of some of the great talents that we have flourished over the over the years. It, it, it stands, you know. I mean, Gareth Bale, Harry Kane. I mean, come on, yeah. you know, <laughs> Kyle Walker, Danny Rose. We, we've had tremendous players, so it can be done. And I think that's the excitement I'm looking for. So, without further ado, let's see if any of the names that have been circulating for that chair. Um, resonate with us, right? And, uh, I, you know, I'll start by uh, saying the name Luis Enrique. I was trying to think of a fancier way to introduce that, but there isn't. Um, he's said to be Paratici's favourite. Um, the former Spain and Barcelona manager has an impressive record, that's for sure. Uh, probably questions would be asked about how that transfers to Spurs and whether our squad is ready for Tiki Taka. Hmm. Well, chaps, what do we think? Is he a good fit? Any concerns? Let's roll those three questions into one. Um, Ricky, kick us off. Um, I'm not keen on Enrique. I think he comes from 
football royalty basically he's had that kind of life of playing for Barca and it might not make him the man he is but I think sometimes when you cruise around in those circles you then once again think that um, everything's going to kind of operate in a similar way or success might come in that similar way and also I think he's had a little go at Roma and Celta Vigo and just done one season at both those clubs and didn't really do much and you could you could sort of argue Roma might be a similar place club Mm -hmm. in Italy as we are in the Prem um so i don't know really uh I, he wouldn't be the person i'd choose yeah i'd agree with that it doesn't he doesn't really excite me i mean i think you know, he's clearly a decent coach um you know one of the considerations i've had here is kind of looking at a squad and how well a manager fits this uh, fits our squad um and he of i think probably of all of the managers on our list here he probably feels like the one that would need the most of the over over overhaul of the squad um i think whoever comes in if we're going to move towards a you know more possession-based game we're going to need changes because we've got a squad that's been built for playing on the counter-attack and um you know the, the players aren't necessarily suited to that you know Enrique you know, typically played 4-3-3 or 3-4-3 which you know maybe works but you know that that passing game um you know desperately would need a ball playing number six um and again the kind of high press that he plays you you want Again, I think this is probably true of a few of the coaches we've got here, but how well that would fit with you know, our, our aging forward, you know, two thirds of our front line being, you know, 30 plus, um, you know, I think that would be a concern as well. And yeah, I agree with you, Ricky. I think in terms of profile, I'd be a little bit worried that he'd be one that might be looking to clear off after a year or two if, if a better job came along. It does have that echo, doesn't it, chaps, of an appointment somewhat in the frame of the last two, not perhaps in style of football, but certainly in that like, wow, he's won he's won a big trophy, so we can get him in and he's available and it would it does seem like it would be following on that trajectory. I mean, I tell you the thing that frightens me the most is that he's said to be Paratici's favourite and we don't know where Paratici's gonna be in the mix of all this come the summer. So that in and of itself is an immediate problem. And uh, I, I agree with both of you. So I've, I mean I I don't think he's a good fit for all the reasons you've said. So um let's move on. Okay. Let's <laughs> move we're on all to- in agreement. Let's move on to Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, the current Brighton manager has impressed everyone since he joined the Premier League earlier this season. Prior to getting Brighton, the Brighton gig, he's managed Shakhtar Donetsk and Sassuolo, amongst others. He's an up-and-coming manager and in demand. Having only joined Brighton this season, he won't come cheap. Uh, and would we be willing to spend what's needed to prize him away? So same questions again. What do we think? Is he a good fit? Any concerns? Steph, why don't you kick us off as you asked the question last time? Sure. I... <sighs> I love what Brighton are doing. Uh, I wonder in and of myself how much of what he's doing with Brighton is because the system is so efficient on off the pitch as well as on the pitch, i.e. the support he's got around him. So, I so wonder if, if so, he would... So if he came with Paul Barber and the, the Brighton scouting team, <laughs> would, you, would you take him then? Well, hands down. I mean, look, we've, we've discussed Paul Barber on this pod, like maybe in an ambient sense a couple of times, but I mean... Paul Barber would be a fantastic acquisition in his position, wouldn't he? I mean, it would make a huge difference. So yes, actually, it would make a difference. I think for me, you know, the the question mark there is whether he would be as effective working with our people. I mean, obviously he brings some of his, but with, with I mean, it really does come down to whether he and Levy and, and, and you know, could, could work together. Um, I, look, I like his style. I mean, there's no doubt. I think he'd he'd be an exciting be an exciting manager for us. But my again, my question mark is whether he will fit with the system around us and how much of what he's doing at Brighton is down to the the fact they are just an excellently run football club and he has seamlessly transitioned into what was already a a, a really well running model. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, he got a lot. Of, he got a lot of props for what he did with Sassuolo, which is definition of a small provincial team, mm. I think, in Italy. Um, and he took them to two eight places. But and Shakhtar, are no small team either. They're regular champ, mm. uh, Champions League. Uh, was say participants wouldn't say contenders but um you know and a lot of good players have gone through that so and the circumstances there has forced him to come to Brighton but um I've watched Brighton a little bit recently I think and this has actually turned me more in favour of him it's just the way they played I think they were almost um quite similar in their way they went about things as uh that team down the Seven Sisters Road and that did impress me and it seems like uh, he's got them scoring more goals as a result of the way he's playing as well. So, um, yeah, I quite like him. And 43 is a good age. I mean, we, that's, I think some of the ages of some of them do come into it. But um, I think 43 is at the right end of a manager that's looking to climb the ladder. And I think that gives them a bit more hunger, I think, sometimes. I mean, obviously, the hunger comes from within, regardless of who you are. But he definitely seems like he's a manager that could be going places. I like him a lot. I think he's, um, he's really smart. I think, you know... If Brighton, are, Brighton, are, as we you know, said, are really well run, I think I think I say they managed to squeeze this in most weeks, and uh, <laughs> well, quite rightly. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's worth uh, the point worth making. They we'll would have done their homework. Take us, won't we? Yeah, <laughs> in the table, they're they, definitely they, well run now. <laughs> they would have done their homework on Deserby. Yeah. So, you know, if they're recruiting him, then I think it probably shows that he's a really good coach. He is a really good coach. He's you know very heavily in demand. Mm. Uh, the, he's smart. The style of football he plays, um, I think, would complement the squad. Um, agree with uh, Ricky in terms of profile. Um, I think so. I think he's a really good fit. I think he's a really good coach. He plays the right style of football, but there's a there's a bridge between uh, what we've had from Conte because he does like to invite teams on to create space to attack. Just does it in a slightly different way to Conte. Um, and when we played, did we? I think it was his first game at Brighton was against us because I remember on the pod that week I'd I'd said that at that point that he could be a potential successor to Conte, and I didn't realise that that would come around quite so quickly. Um, so yeah, I I really like him. I think the my, my only concern would be is would he leave Brighton after eight months? Yeah, um, he could well be going to a cup final even, couldn't he? So. Yeah. So I I would imagine that he probably wants to do another season there, and it might be difficult to get him, but. Um, he would definitely be near the top of my list if he was available. Oh, dear. A little sigh here. Get my Collect my senses. Maurizio Pochettino. <laughs> oh, boy. Should let should let uh, Milo read no, this one out. No, it's all right. No, no, I'll try not to turn this into something. I wish we had some, you know, melancholic music to play in the background. Uh, <laughs> what is there to say? Could our best mob manager return home after his Paris sabbatical? I love it. Would it end in tears if he did, or would he finish the job he started? Lads, are you ready to fall in love again, or did the love ever really die? That was that was fantastic. Couldn't have been any better. It sounded a bit like the Hovis ad, but you all get the impression. We um, <laughs> look. Go on, take to, it uh, away. I'll say. I was, that. I was trying to do the music that used to um, used to have Simon, Simon Bates. Yeah, yeah, Simon oh, Bates, okay. wasn't it? No, yeah. Simon Bates. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, it was Love an excellent, an excellent yeah. improvisation. It, and it is, uh, look, the, any time I mention his name in context with our club, it feels like a love letter. So, chaps, let's bring some structure to it. What do we think? Is he a good fit? <laughs> Is he a good fucking fit? Any concerns? Anyway. Well, I, I'll kick off with a concern first. If we sign him, 
then every single pod from now until the end will be like that. It's gonna, it's gonna be one we'll long have to do a spin-off, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> a spin-off of just Steph, love letters, Steph. Just rename the pod, won't we? Yeah. Love, love, love letters to Poch. Um, Ending with the inevitable game is about glory. Uh, one hour special interview with the great man. It would have oh, to happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> A potch hug right now after everything we've been through this season would be great, I think. And, you know, in terms of, you know, he's a great fit. We know he can do it. He knows the he knows the club. His football's great. He's brilliant working with young players and improving players. I think the squad he will be walking into now is a lot better than the one he inherited last time. Um, but obviously there's there's changes that we'd need in order to uh, to accommodate him, but not not huge. And I think he's pretty adaptable as well. And you know, in terms of systems, you know, he, he did play three at the back with us very successfully. Um, you know, obviously he would more commonly associated with a four two three one, but there's there's adaptability there. I think he could, he could work with what we've got in the short term and move it towards what he wants. Um, I'd love to see what he could do with some of the youngsters we've got coming through. Um, and you know, particularly if you look at the kind of wing backs and full backs, he was so great at working with uh, full backs last time around. It'd be great to see what he could do with those with those players. Um, and that does that does feel like there's unfinished business. So I, I think you know, whilst there's you know the kind of the emotional attachment, I think it makes a lot of sense for other reasons as well. Um, he's a fucking good coach. I'd love to see him back, um, and I'm prepared to take the risk that it's not as successful as you know not as successful as last time because even you know a little bit less would be a lot better than what we've been having to watch over the last few years he's got Premier League experience and we do have to remember some of these candidates haven't and I think one thing we've seen with Conte is what a shock the bloody Premier League is it's Mm. like a tough old route It's, it's a tough old road to go down each year and he knows the setup six of our first team players at the moment he already knows you know if you think about it I mean, some people moan that those players are still here, but they're good players. They're good first-team players. Mason can bring them up to speed. Quite happy for them, Mason, to carry on as an assistant with him. That's a big continuity, uh, a continuous kind of coach for the future. We can keep training um, Mason up. He doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't need to acclimatise. He knows the stadium, the uh, training ground, the way a lot of things work. Um, Half of it was built to his specification. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, the only thing is, I mean, slight worry, I think, is some people say, oh, no, maybe it's a bit too soon. But the thing is, Poch is 51 now. And, Mm. you know, I think people, there's been a lot of commentary recently to say that coaches do have their time, they have their period. And if we left it too long, he might then never come back. And I think, as Milo says, we've got got to take that chance. We've got to scratch the itch again. I mean, the only thing that I'd ask at the moment is is last time we were definitely interested with him it was at PSG and we were going it really sounded like we were serious about breaking him out of that contract and getting him back here and the only thing that's on question now is is well he's not in any contract you know what I mean he's he's free to move he's free to just join us whenever he wants he can come tomorrow which well he may well come tomorrow who knows um but um and that makes me think that it's almost, I don't know, maybe they're just keeping a lid on it, on, on all of it, no matter who the manager's going to be. But it just makes sense that we can go, you know, he's, he's free, he's available, we can just go straight for it. So it's kind of weird that if we weren't, you know what I mean? It's uh, almost let, like I, the dream let, would die if we don't. You know, I'm, I'm happy to address a couple of those concerns that you just brought up because, of course, this particular uh, name on our list has caused me more food for thought than any other. I un, unashamedly admit that. First and foremost, I suspect that he is surmising how the setup behind the scenes is working with within the board uh he did have some issues with certain board members uh towards the end that was very clear i think 
for him to come back, he would want some pretty ironclad assurances that, you know, certain situations and, and, and personalities and so on and so forth would not be put, you know, in a position where they could clash with him. I think he would want that to be a, an assuredness. He'd have to trust Daniel Levy. I think Daniel has to also ultimately um, admit that, it, you know, and it's okay to admit it, you know, that let's get him, let's get him back. Uh, that's that's a big. I think that's a big dilemma right now for him. I, I, as much as he likes him, gets on with him. I think it's an issue. Um, I think also we have to remember the Poch that we would get back is not just the guy who did so much for us. It's it's Poch after a pretty hard education at one of the most I think uh, brutal and ugly football clubs in world football, having to survive politics the likes of which make what might have happened at Spurs seem like kindergarten so I think we're actually getting back a manager who you know for all this fucking or lemon and aura crap that gets tagged to him has got a tougher edge now I think he's going to have an extra edge and I think he's going to have some extra tools in his kit I think he is absolutely the right fit I've I'm, I'm so convinced I wasn't at first I thought well you know head and heart he's the right fit you've You've articulated those reasons. I think I've added another set of reasons to it. I think he's but the right fit. I think he was always pretty hard. I mean, but you see one of the common you know, uh, the criticisms that you see, particularly on Twitter, people say, oh, he's a soft touch. He's, you know, just goes along with what Levy wants. You, you think about the players he throws out, you know, particularly early on, you know, he gave the senior players a chance and then cut them all out. And, you know, he, he was pretty ruthless. And, uh, you know, I think given given the backing from the club, he would have been a lot more ruthless with the team he had or the team he built, um, you know, towards, you know, the last couple of years of his time at the club. He just wasn't supported in trying to get, get players out of the door. Um, so I, I've got... I've got no concerns about him coming in and being kind of sentimental about players or anything like that. I think he'd he'd be ruthless again. And I think you'd see after a year or so, a very, very different team to the one we've got now. No, no, I, I agree with all of that. And, and absolutely, he was, uh, he was intelligently hard from the beginning, mm. uh, the, you know, to, to the sense that, to the extent that I wish our previous uh, two managers had had that mm. sort of social smarts in their toughness. What I'm saying is that when you work at PSG, that's oh, a no, whole other level yeah, of yeah, bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he will have learned so much. How yeah. much will he have learned? I mean, having to juggle all those names and egos and stars and, 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 and uh, I mean, just a, a nightmare. It's a nightmare but, job. I think it's the worst job in football. I, I bluntly tell you that. Well, one concern that we haven't covered, I, I do think he needs a director of football. Maybe yeah. not this one. But I think his transfer business wasn't you know, was probably the weakest element of of him as a manager. He was very, very, you know, he was turning down good players. He was very precise about what he wanted. And I think the kind of ravaged squad that we ended up with in the end, not entirely his fault, because as I said, he wasn't backed in getting rid of some players, but, but also players who could have come in and improved it. He turned his nose up at, and I think he needs to come in as a coach with someone else with responsibility for signing players. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, that's just another point we have to consider, really. There were so many things when he here wasn't optimal, and some of that was just situations that caused them. No one was to blame. And we still finished third, we still finished mm-hmm. second, we still got to Champions League finals. So, like, add those things in where the background stuff is a whole lot healthier and maybe mm-hmm. pushing in the right direction. And of course, we have got more money, let's face it, we have. So, it just makes you think, 
It's, I don't know. As you said, it's a bit yeah. of a no-brainer, I think. But Yeah, I think it is definitely down to both parties need to, I mean, if you're, you know, they need to sniff around each other one or two more times. I think there needs to be another couple of circles to make sure everything is in place so it won't all implode. And I, I, I mean, why would it not be like that? I mean, after what happened yeah. to him, he was disgracefully treated. I'm sorry, it was a disgrace. And, you know, Daniel I, 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 treated him poorly. I, I think... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got a different view, but, but I think in terms of, in terms of money, you know, during his whole time last time, he's, I think it was 50 million was his net spend the whole of last time since he's left and net spend is 300 million pounds. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, the difference in the club is huge to the one he's left. I, 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 think showed, he, I, I think he was knackered at the end. I think he needed to break. I think it had run its course, but I mean, you know, it's that, that, I don't think that's a reason not to come back. And I don't think it requires some huge fault face from anyone. People leave jobs and come back to them all the time. I, I don't see why it's different for football managers. I just think the kind of the team and the commercial side was a lot closer then because one kind of like mm. balanced on the other and you can't have this, but I need to do this. You can't have, and that kind of thing. When now it's kind of, I mean, I'm sure we can, as you say, we could bring a director of football in if he wants one or one of his choice. And I'm sure we can just get to the point a bit like now where we just set the budgets and then you filter that down and then those guys right. below you sort that out. Basically, I mean, just to tie of director of football. Just to tie this up, because I'm well aware that we could end up. Yeah. Uh, just time out here. Um, we can announce that head coach Antonio Conte has left the club by mutual agreement. We achieved Champions League qualification in Antonio's first season at the club. We thank Antonio <laughs> for his contribution and wishing well for the future. Stellini will take uh, team as acting head coach for the remainder of the season, long, alongside Ryan really? Mason as assistant head coach. Thought so. Thought that would happen. Ste- I thought that would happen. Ste- yes. So maybe. We ought to be adding big, big um, Chris big Stellini as as yeah. one of our options here. But then... Let, let's 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 just tie up the potch bit first. What an excellent yes. interruption that was! Uh, <laughs> a, a wonderful. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? It was an in betweeners <laughs> moment. Um, yeah, just to tie up the potch bit. I think both of you said it. I, 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 uh, Ricky, I remember you saying it. Let's not forget this man did actually have. A, 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 a big hand in designing the stadium, so he should get the chance to, to manage in it for a full for a full few seasons, I think. But we we wrap this up, uh, and 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 uh, Milo, take us take us wherever. I don't know if we're going to go to the next on our list, or if this news that you've just announced. No, we'll carry on as we are. Can I just repeat one more time what you said? I mean, I have to interrupt you because it's just the nature of who I am, and I know it's a bit... Um, Again, just in case you didn't catch that, Antonio Conte has been relieved of his duties as we record. Wow. So this is like an emergency pod and a regular pod all at once. So anyway, as you were saying, Milo. It means we get Monday or Tuesday night off now. We were kind of thinking (laughs) we might have to come back and do this. So, um, Uh Right, next on the list is um, Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, We were meant to be discussing Thomas Tuchel here. Bayern Munich have uh, done us a massive favour and taken him off the market reportedly after getting wind, of, uh, getting wind of Daniel's plan to bring him in. In his place, so as I said, we've got recently departed Bayern manager Julian Nagelsmann. We know that Levy is keen on him because we've approached him about the job twice before. His record at Bayern is decent. He's a smart ta- uh, tactician. He's flexible about formation and, and reportedly fell for Spurs during the Poch era. On the minor side, there's talk of him being a little aloof with some of the players at Bayern and uh, trying to be a little bit too clever tactically on occasions. So again, same old questions. What do we think? Is he a good fit? Any concerns? Ricky? Um, uh, 
definitely tactics and flexibility. He's got that. He's def- he's he's ploughed through various formations, depend because and that sounds like he he f- you know he fits the players he's got into the formation that he you know he needs. He can he can change that up depending who's available. But um, and also I think he's probably he's he's it's quite a big step up from Leipzig to Bayern because Bayern's a kind of another what I'd call. An Ancelotti club where you just need someone that comes in and manages the dressing room and they all kind of know what they're doing already and they just need that kind of massaging to get them to the Bundesliga title and hopefully more every season because that's all they seem to ever do anyway. Um, but so I think he's just better from a, he's probably better from a starting position of, uh, having to punch above his weight, I think. And really that's what we are. We, we still have to, I mean, you know, we're going up the weight classes, but we're still having to punch above our weight because there's some real heavyweights in our league. Um, and maybe we would have been a, a good step for him after Leipzig because mm-hmm. I think we fall between Leipzig and Bayern really. So yeah, um, I'm a bit, but I'm not 100% sure about him. And that's what I'm going to say. And that might be a character reference, I think. Not necessarily as aloofness. I just, just by looking at someone, I know that's really like shallow. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> let it Sorry. let me join let me join you on the shallow step there because i suffer from that myself uh on occasion and uh and i must admit as odd as this is going to sound on this pod um that he he has a sort of a flat a flat face in the van hall dimensions which is oh, always a little untrustworthy for me but putting all this rubbish aside uh when it's not rubbish you can't help how you react to things no. i mean right i mean you know i'm with you but uh, yeah, taking this as a football matter and not our own weird uh, <laughs> outlook on the human <laughs> human condition. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I was exchanging, uh, Milo and I were talking during the week and, um, you know, I was taking on board actually some of what Milo was saying because my first thought about him was that he might be walking down the path of somebody who wants to be a little bit too much like our previous two managers. Um, and I had caught wind over his time of like, you know, how he can be quite aloof and so on and so forth. That was one of the things that I caught. Um, you know, I was, uh, as Milo and I were talking, I was pointed back to that. Look, you know, he has actually got this whole other compassionate side. Um, he's very good with the animal references as well. Animal metaphors. He mentioned something about moles and went on about that, which I liked. Oh, that's, a hilarious. Lot. Was, that's hilarious. It was, it was, it was brilliant. And uh, yeah, you should go and digging on the internet for it. I think uh, the actual, uh, the, the, the Bundesliga website has a couple of great interviews with him where he talks about that. And then he, he does compare his training methods to train to working with horses as well, which is, is a little odd, but uh, an esoteric, but is engaging. But all that aside, I have to say the thing that's really sort of got me flipped on him in a positive is the flexibility factor is huge. And it's something that I've been really frustrated with for a long time is how inflexible we are for, you know, for the situations we find ourselves in in games. And the fact that he is tactically flexible and is as smart as he as, as he is. And the fact he's had this sort of like brutal, uh, you know, body check at Bayern, it, the timing might be right. This might be Daniel's eighth or ninth knife. And, and it's not dissimilar, actually, you know, his bruising time at Bayern isn't dissimilar to what we were talking about with Poch at PSG. Again, the kind of these mega clubs, these super, super clubs really do kind of take it out of you. I think yeah. it's interesting with the kind of this season at Bayern because he switched formations and tactics quite a lot. Partly to try and, you know, they've had injury problems and, you know, squad doesn't quite fit what he wants, you know, a bit of an unbalanced squad. And then obviously the, the World Cup causing problems as well. And that's kind of the complete opposite of what we've had. You know, he's tried to be kind of change things in order yeah. to try and, you know, uh, tackle the situation. And we've kind of plowed on regardless, <laughs> you, know, for, you know, it doesn't matter who's around. So, um, and, 
Yeah, no, I so I agree with you in terms of you know tactically, I think he's he's superb. Um, yeah, I think that you know, maybe being a bit too clever tactically on occasions. You know, he's been compared to Guardiola a fair bit. You know, there's something you know Guardiola being too clever in finals is something that you know is a bit of a cliche, but um, you know you can see that. Um, I think you're right in Ricky in terms of you know if he'd come to us from Leipzig, we wouldn't be talking about saying any of this. We'd just be saying he's a really smart tactical a coach. He's really good attacking wise. I think kind of the other things in his favour, you know, at Bayern he's had to deal with losing Lewandowski. And if we are getting to a phase, you know, I think it's possible that the next manager has to um, transition us to life without, well, certainly Sun and Kane together as an attacking force. They're both going to be into their 30s. They're not going to be, um, you know, kind of the same players they were, uh, you know, six, seven years ago in terms of the kind of their energy levels and what have you. So he's used to try and transition from, you know, star players you know, to other systems. And he's, he's done that relatively well. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think he'd be quite exciting. I think it'd be very exciting in terms of the, the squad. Again, I think there's changes there that we'd need that we'd probably see with the others as well. You know, I think he, he's frequently said that the number six is the most important player in his system. And the ones we've got probably don't fit with what he wants. And similarly, I think, you know, we know that we need some new centre-backs. Um, that would be, you know, the other priority for him probably. But yeah, smart, good, tactical coach. Um, very good at improving young players. He ticks a lot of boxes. Again, another one would be near the top of my list. Ruben Amarim, uh, the current Sporting Lisbon manager, is one of the hottest properties in Europe. Uh, sporting were a bit of a mess when he arrived and he won the title there in his first full season, which was their first title in 19 years. His team play attractive football and he has managed to do this whilst having key squad members sold. He uh, also comes with the added value bonus of having knocked those lot down the road out of Europe this year, which, of course, immediately puts him in the good man category. Uh, what do we think? Is he a good fit? Any concerns? It's the same three questions. Milo, I'm going to go to you first. Um, it's another one I really like. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think he's done a fantastic job at sporting. They're good to watch. They play really nice uh, attacking football. Uh, at sporting, he plays a back three. Um, so again, you know, wing back. So suits the strengths in our squad. Uh, one of the interesting things I think about the way he lines up his defence is the central centre back tends to push forward more to create uh, a numerical overload in midfield and, and create those passing angles, which I think probably suggest, would probably favour Romero moving to the middle of defence, which would be interesting because it means our best defender gets on the ball the most. Um, and, you know, something we've talked a bit about him getting more involved in kind of midfield play and build up play would be interesting. Um, he has a kind of fluid front three who rotate. Well, Affle would suit that quite well. It's something that we've done when we've been at our best. The width comes from his wing backs, uh, plays a double pivot in midfield. Again, probably suits us reasonably well. Um, high press, high energy. And when uh, when defending, he looks for a kind of narrow front three to force the play out wide. Um, so yeah, I think he's a pretty good fit. You might want a bit more legs uh, up front in order to uh, compensate for that. And yeah, like with the others, we'd need a couple of... Uh, couple of uh, central defenders but you know obviously the goalkeeper but yeah probably one of the managers here who requires the least squad overhaul i would say yeah um well he had um he had less than one year at braga so i'm not sure who uh, i'm not sure who his agent is or he's got a hype man but um i think sporting sp- <laughs> sporting paid 10 million euros for him so he must have been doing something right in fact he did do something right he won the league cup with braga and he's won the next two league cups as well and only lost the other one that our poor old uh, right wing back Poro lost in his last game for them, but um, 
But having said that, I mean, they lost the League Cup this this year and they have been a bit more off the pace this year. I think they are fourth. I think his old team, Braga, are now ahead of them. So um, their point total isn't that great this year. Whether they've got uh, Europa League kind of congestion that's like not helping them out. And as you, and as you say, Milo, he does get players sold from underneath mm. him. So he has to cope with that. But... Um, I've got quite a lot of respect for the Portuguese league as well. I think it's not always the best league, but I think there's certainly some great technicians and tactical stuff goes on in the Portuguese league, which can translate to our league, I think. And he's and once again, he's only 38, so um, he's at the right age, probably the right age. I don't know. Um, I'm always worried about all of any of the ones coming with no Prem experience. It always worries me because it is a massive step up to our league. But yeah. I, I mean, I think he's, going to be on the list by virtue of what the first few um, words of, of you know his introduction were I mean he is one of the hot young managers in Europe and we're, we're going to be interested I think Milo very uh, clearly articulated where he fits the current system and where he fits the current squad I, I personally would like uh, maybe a little less of that and I, maybe I've just got you know a thing for wanting a little more change um, look I don't think he'd be I mean he wouldn't be an appointment that upset me in any way it would be a good appointment but I think that what would tip me in the balance of not maybe putting him nearer the top of my list uh, is that combination of the style that he does currently deploy versus his experience as well which I think you know puts a lot of pressure on him and I just wonder once again coming into our pressure cooker whether he could deal with that I think in terms of style, I mean, formation-wise, it's you know three four three, but style-wise, it's very very different to what we've had under Conte. He's a, he's an attacking um, possession-based uh, manager, so uh, I don't think we should get hung up on that. I think you'd like the football, and I think uh, and just to point out, I think we said in our pre-bit chat uh, preamble before we came onto the pod that he might have a thirty million pound buyout clause or thirty million euro buyout clause. So I think um, Daniel and- will be. Daniel, Daniel's just messages next. And I was going to say, <laughs> and after spending all of January negotiating with them yeah. for Porro, uh, <laughs> yeah. it might, although having said that, we did do them a favour on um, the structuring of the Porro deal, and we still got, we've still got some interest in Edwards, so maybe maybe there's a deal to be done there. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I th- yeah, I think maybe. Maybe not right now, but who knows? Yeah. Anyway, we all like him, but uh, maybe I think we've all got our various opinions on how well he would or wouldn't do. Um, <clears throat> Ange Postacoglu, the Celtic manager, has impressed everyone with how he has done there. It looks like he's going to do back-to-back doubles whilst doing relatively well in Europe and playing very attractive football. Uh, prior to joining Celtic, Postacoglu has had a long career, including spells in Japan, as Australia manager and in Australian club football. He looks good... But is it a risk taking on a manager who hasn't managed in a major league? Um, at this point, uh, Scottish listeners uh, will be uh, chomping at the bit to tell us that <laughs> the Scottish league is a top one. But I think we all know what we're saying. I mean, he's not in the recognised competitive European leagues. Uh, what do we think? Is he a good fit? Any concerns? Uh, Ricky, kick us off. A lot of people like. That's <laughs> all you say. Oh, good well, I just know. I think a lot of people like this guy, and I just can't. I mean, if, if I'm down at the old racetrack and looking at the form, I'm just not. I mean, Aussie football. I mean, come on. And um, and then he's gone to Japan, Yokohama, and then he's ended up at the massive Celtic, who have like smashed cowed and beef and torn apart our broth and teams like that. And it's just like. I just don't, but, and he's fifty-seven as well. This this chap's fifty-seven, and 
I just, I just, I just wouldn't pull him in the running when you're looking at the other runners and riders. You know, I say just... Ricky's managed to piss off our Japanese, Australian, and Scottish listeners yeah. so far. We're, Whatever, we're, all of which are numerous. All of all of which are numerous. So, um, I I like him. I like the football that he plays. Um, I have <laughs> sorry. I I have Celtic football. Oh, I, I have some so. concern. I have some some concerns. So in turn, he's another one who's tactically flexible. So he's played um, kind of four two three one, three four two one, four three three at Celtic. At Celtic, he's looking at very wide wingers in the front three to create space for the fullbacks or midfielders to use the half space to come inside. Um, so the fullbacks typically play quite narrow, which probably doesn't suit our fullbacks so much. But that's kind of what he's doing at Celtic. He's shown flexibility elsewhere. Um, he, yeah, so he's not committed to one style of play. Celtic are quite aggressive, but in the past he's used mid and low blocks. So I think there's some flexibility there. I would be a little bit concerned about um, someone, yeah, about him not having managed in a big league. I think you know the Scottish Premier League is a you know two-team league. They've Celtic have done pretty well in Europe, um, but yeah, I think I'd be a little bit concerned about that. I, I mean, at the risk of sounding like a snob, <clears throat> I just, I, I'm sorry, uh, I agree with Ricky. As you've said, Ricky, with the names that are in our runners and riders list and the uh, the talent we've already discussed, and we go back to what I said at the beginning of this pod, you know, we're a club that, you know, we were the first ever club to win the double, we're the first ever club to win a trophy in Europe. We are a big football club, and I am sorry, we cannot afford to be uh, to be the experimental ground um, for someone who has not managed in the major league in their 50s. I, I just don't think it's a gamble we can afford to take. I don't think it's a gamble we should ex- be expecting uh, our supporters to tolerate. I, 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 I think Milo's put forward, as he always does, a, a very compelling case for, you know, the, the tactical acumen of Postacoglu, but there is this whole other side. He hasn't managed in in a big league, and oh, yeah. I I don't think we're the club at this stage of our uh, history he's, that need to be the ones to take the risk on hiring he, him. And if we he, do, it's a cheap option, and it's it, it's he's, uh, I, he's no. very 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 popular with the football hipsters, and I'm going to side with the football hipsters. So well, um, a, 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 as as is, and you know what, <laughs> I may well end up with an entire breakfast on my face in several years' time, but I would like that to come via his. Uh, apprenticeship at other clubs first i he's, don't want us to be uh, his, the experimental <laughs> hipster hipster ground i'm not interested in that uh, to be honest i really am not so I, I, i'm I just, prepared I just, to, again i just think it's egg, nice egg that, i just think it, i just think it's nice that a 57 year old is popular with the hipsters so i mean yeah, you know. was, that's what i was thinking <laughs> Yes, I suppose I should take that line on board and uh, and and say yes. Yeah. Anyone in there in so, that age range who's popular do, with hipsters do, is doing do, all right. Do you, do you want to do that again, Steph? Actually, bearing all this in mind, so promising young manager on <laughs> and yeah, let me do that again. You know, the thing is that when you're popular in your fifties with the hipsters, it's a great sign. <laughs> <laughs> Something that, sadly, I, I can tell you from first-hand experience, I have never, ever experienced. Um, so, anyway, I, I, look, I, it, it's good. He's a, good, good luck to him, and I'm sure he's going to make me look like a complete Wally down the line when he wins the Champions League in oh, three years' time with Aston Villa or something. You don't yeah. need any help with that, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> should, I, should I move us on to Marcelo uh, Gallardo? I think you should. In my, my, my self-deprecative uh, tendencies are running running dry. So, yes, please do. I, I think I'm, I'm pronouncing this wrong, aren't I, with kind of anglicising Gallardo. I think it's, um, is it Gallardo? So, Gallardo. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he swept all before him during his time at River Plate, winning the Copa Libertadores. Libertadores twice, the Argentina Cup three times, Copa Scuda America once, the Rio Copa Scuda America three times. He left River Plate in December. It's said to be keen to move to Europe. Do we fancy an Argentinian Cup specialist or his lack of European experience too much of a risk? Same questions again. What do we think? Is he a good fit? Any concerns? I'll take this on because he's someone that I've been sort of quite excited at the thought of, albeit I think once again in context of the names that we've been discussing uh, ahead of him, uh, he would represent a gamble. Um, You know, this is uh, a man who played... as uh, uh, you know, a midfielder viewed, uh, yeah, a visionary midfielder. He was, uh, you know, revered as having great vision. Um, he's got the experience, um, you know, of, of playing under pressure. He's got the experience of managing under pressure. If you manage River Plate, this is not a small job. Uh, you know, River Plate are the real deal. Um, he's actually won uh, 22 titles as both a player and a coach for the team uh, for River Plate, which is quite, which is quite a quite a record. Um, you know, I do like. Uh, you know, I like the the, the way he plays. Um, you know, I think he's he's an adventurous player. He's known he's an adventurous manager. And he's known as well for switching his systems up. It would be a gamble. Um, I, I I freely admit that I think our relationship with Argentina as a football club is is more than just passing. Uh, I think it's it's you know long established. Um, I, I think it, it, he feels like the sort of person who could come in and have a potch-like effect on the club. That might be unfair on him, and it might not be the right qualification to say that he would be a good choice for us, You know, especially given that if we're after potch, maybe we should just get him. But I, I don't know. There's something about him that feels very, uh, very exciting. It, it will be a gamble. Um, ultimately, I don't think it's going to happen. I have to tell you, I do think he's going to take another job in Europe first. Um, but I, I would not be against it. Can I tell you something you know that Spurs fans will be longing for is that his favoured well one of his favoured formations is with a midfield diamond a four four two with a midfield diamond which I know that everyone absolutely loved last time we were playing that <laughs> and uh, would love to see it again um, yeah and of course with that you need you know, deepest midfielder needs to be really good in the ball for that system to work um, I think it's, it's an interesting one isn't it so River Plate he, it, was, it was a cup specialist the club made a decision to focus on the cups which is kind of the polar opposite of of what we do um and i don't know you know if if top four is our priority or you know premier league and champions league are our priorities each season how well he translates to that i think he's probably one that i'd like to see how he does in europe first another club before considering him um i'm not sure you know his style of football is is good but he's it's not really dominating possession um so I don't know. I'd, I'd like to. I. I think he's a really exciting and interesting coach. I'd be very interested to see how he does his next job. I think probably, um, you know, a bit like some of the other, you know, kind of you know, lesser known managers on this list. I think I'd probably 
like to see how he does somewhere else before we consider him. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if he did if he was appointed. You know, it'd be exciting. Yeah. Um. Is, is from the bits I've seen or read about him, very brief bits. Is he not the hipster? Glad is this chap not the yeah. hipster? Some of the fans. Yeah. No. There's there's a lot of people who are shouting from who've never seen his teams play. <laughs> well, I was just, that's exactly what I was just about to say because my antenna is not tuned into like South down South American way at all. So I will I would confess that I've not seen him play. I've not seen him manage a team that's played either. So I don't really know anything about him to be honest. Mm. Get him in. Is that how it works? <laughs> So, so far, just so as we can get some sort of um, consensus, am I right in saying that we're sort of agreed that Poch, Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann, Poch? Well, you're, you're, are, jumping, are, you're, you're jumping ahead, Steph, because the last question in this section covers that. So why don't we move on to the, the, the kind of Am I jumping the, the ahead? Pack. Yeah. I'm probably, you, just, I'm probably just so stunned by the fact that we have actually, re, uh, you know, been hit with major news during the recording of a pod for the first time that I can remember. I don't think we've ever, have, have we have we recorded a pod when such big news has dropped? By the way, if you didn't know, Antonio Conte is no longer with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Yeah, Super League broke when we were recording. Yeah. Is that is that up to is that up to this? I suppose it is. Yeah. Well, I think probably anyway. European Super League being launched was a bigger story than Conte being sacked after we've all known it's coming for a week. Yeah. Oh yeah, I suppose you're right. Oh, dearie me, forensically uh, takes my part, my sentiments again, and proves that proves me wrong. Goodness gracious! But not really. I mean, in Spurs news, this is massive. We are on the the cusp of it, and 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 okay, we're going to go through. Oh, let me just gather myself. <laughs> do we see this? What's that? Should I see uh, this you, should, you, to... you should. Let me gather my Let's, thoughts and get wrap... some composure here. I'm losing oh, know, my composure, folks. I know what's wrong with folks. Steph. I know what's wrong with Steph. Oh, well, right. well, many things. Con- if you, if you do gone, know, that is one step list. nearer to Poch. <laughs> <laughs> We've got off uh, first amongst, base. Amongst right. other things that are wrong with me, uh, you, you could be right. But anyway... <laughs> Right, so the rest of the pack, let's rattle through these. I'll list some names we have here. Let me know if any ring your bell or if there's anyone else we should be considering. Thomas Frank, Oliver Glasner, Vincent Company, Paolo Fonseca, oh, name for the past, Christian Stellini and Ryan Mason. I've just added Christian Stellini to this while we were while we were talking there. Um, any of those should be in the shout for the permanent job? Uh, Vincent Company would be interesting, but uh, again, uh, you know, it would be a gamble, wouldn't it? But you're, you're just we're, we're putting these up against the managers we've already discussed. Glasner's a very interesting name that's out there. You can't help but feel he's going to uh, he's going to land a big job, uh, you know, in the in the next year or so. You can't help but feel that's the case. His uh, his ascension seems assured. I don't know if I necessarily want him at Spurs. I, I, yeah, I think he's. Um... My least favourite of the ones who have been talked up. Yeah. Now, now Tuchel's off uh, off the list. He he was the only one I really, really, really didn't want. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. just to say, like Thomas Frank represents his club really well as a yeah. kind mm-hmm. of spokesman for Brentford. He just stares the camera straight down the lens and just gives it, you know, gives everything yeah. for that club. And speaks you well. know, we, we we chuckle about Fonseca actually, but he's had a very good season this year. He's done a good job. Um, but you'd have to question as to whether he'd want to have anything to do with us after we treated him last time. Oh, quite. And, and should we just pick up this one last question? So, who are your top three choices for the job? Go on, Steph. Give us your top three. It starts with Poch. It goes to Nagelsmann. And, oh, I've got to pick a third. It would have to be, I suppose, Gallardo as the punt, right? Those are the top three for me, with a with a concession that Amarim wouldn't upset me. Is that Have I just completely, like, just okay. fucked that up uh, okay. by not giving you a clean three? That's right. <laughs> Ricky, um, I am. I'm Poch, I think, and then Nailsman, and then Deserby. Really, I mean, the other thing with Deserby is obviously we'd have to buy him off Brian. Mm, so I uh, forgot about him. So um, how could I forget? So 
money's always a factor at our club, so you do have to put that into the mix. Yeah, yeah. So and the other two are free. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a Steph and ask to pick three, and I'll pick four. So I'd go Poch, <laughs> Nagelsmann, Deserbi, and Amarim would be my top four. And I'm now going to be uh, now. I'm going to switch and say that I'm going to copy Milo because I've completely forgotten about the Zerbi. But that makes you wonder whether I actually ever really cared as much in the first place. So maybe I should just stick with what I said. It's not easy, is it? I mean, because you've got so many factors to consider. I mean, there's, it's not think, the least of which our chairman. There, there's, there's, our quite a, there's quite a nice meme going around on on the internet of I want it and I deserve it. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> We'd have we'd have that we'd have that to keep us entertained, even if the football didn't work. So, I mean, I, but I think those are four really exciting coaches we're talking about there. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't think there are the, the ones we've rattled through here. You know, if you're saying Luis, Luis Enrique is your bad choice, you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think. I suppose the other me. thing that's been clarified tonight is that. This is all going to happen in the summer. Yes. Yeah. I think, and I think that maybe you may, may, I think we should. Uh, yeah. Let's articulate that clearly uh, with the announcement the club have made with Christian Stellini and Ryan Mason running the show for the final ten games. It it sort of brings into focus two things that we were talking about earlier, which is number one, we're not going to change the way we play for these final ten games. We're going to use that style of play and try and make it. Right. <laughs> Stellini might be able to have his phone turned off during a game, though. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I would like just like to point out, I mean, we've got obviously quite strong views about Antonio at the moment, but he's a pretty honest and straight up guy. He's just a bit combustible. And mm-hmm. obviously he's oh. said, he's said to Stellini and everything like that, you know, go and manage the team for the rest of the year. I'm not oh, going to hold I mean, that against you and that kind of thing. I, I think, and, and let me, let, let me ask, uh, let me ask you, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're pulling this out of the hat. Again, this announcement came as we were recording. Chaps, shall we spend five minutes talking about Conti in in the rearview mirror here? Now that he officially is, um, do we want to do that? Not really. There isn't much appetite for it. Okay, I mean, we've, we've okay. quite a lot. I mean, I, I would say, I say, I'm quite pleased about Stellini and Mason. I, I was surprised. I didn't think Stellini or the backroom team would stay on after Conte went. I think that's quite positive. The loyalty, they? Yeah, yeah I, I think that's quite positive. I mean, Stellini has worked. Uh, he hasn't always been part of Conte's backroom team. So, and he, you know, I think he's managed to uh, been a uh, head coach at least one club. But I don't think it lasted very long. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, I'd say our best football this season is arguably. Come exactly. when when those two have been leading the team, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, it, and I think it it leaves kind of Mason less exposed because people, yep. were yes. so, you know, a lot of people Absolutely. say, "Oh, Mason's just this, he's that, and whatever." And at least it's almost like we've just lost the head coach, and in a roundabout well, way, we're suggesting that that's a good thing. So what, what, what I would what I would say about Conti in this very particular instance, and I've been highly critical of him in the last two pods. I'm com- I'm completely mm. aware of that, and I probably will continue to be critical of the way he spoke about our club. But what this shows me is that perhaps somewhere in there, he does actually have a concern for the club. Uh, because as you said, Ricky, he's obviously given Stellini his graces to say, look, you know, carry on till the end of the season. That's fine. You know, we'll meet again in the summer. Um, and, and you know, if that doesn't happen, you know, that I'm sure he doesn't, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't do that uh, easily. So no. there has to have been some agreement that, you know, let's keep things for this football club as, as stable as they can be, given the turbulence, and, and let's let you get through the final 10 games. I wonder if there's a financial sweetener in it for Antonio at the end if we make the Champions League. I don't know, but I, I, it I think, says something. I think it also probably suggests that things weren't as 
kind of fractious behind the scenes, as some people have been suggesting. If Conte was really pissed off with you know the club, the board, everything mm. else, then I think you know I think it would have been you know we're all out kind of thing. I think you know, this this I suggests just, that they're parting on on pretty good terms. They've, well, I think you know it suggests that there isn't that hard feeling, and I think you know the relationship looks like it's okay. And you know maybe that's why you know this last week has gone mm. as it has because those discussions were you know happening once everyone had you know kind of calmed down and you know thinking things through a bit more and you know it's yeah how you work through that yeah i think he was um i just i've never put some kind of sinister or slimy or sneaky characteristics into conte's profile at all really he's not he's not i don't necessarily think he would manipulate things in the same way as like Mourinho would or something like that i don't think he's made of that I think he's just basically combustible. I was going to say earlier, I just think that basically he came to the end of his tether from the point of view, wrongly from the point of view, that he thought, I'm a winner. I've proven to be a winner. My culture's a winner. My tactics are a winner. My system's a winner. And when it wasn't winning, (laughs) he was then probably thinking, I'm busting my gut every day here. I'm putting in 70, 80 hour weeks. And why is it not working? And he looks for people to blame. Well, he quite literally bust a gut. Yeah. Oh yeah, quite literally. I mean, he really did, and 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 we're back to that thing. And by the way, is it's really good that you get to finish your statements about Conte from the beginning. That I said, hold them until the emergency pod, and here you are able to. And I do think as well that you know his the trajectory of his year has been shitty. Uh, you know, from from the the grief and the losses, you know, the the, the turbulence, and yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think there was any way back. I, I mean, there wasn't. You can't say what he said. Especially if you haven't addressed the players, which was the rumor, yeah, there's just no way back. And you almost wonder if he's just sat there and goes, "Ah, oh, fuck, I really dropped a bollock, and it's a bollock too far." Maybe everyone's just looking at him, saying, "Look, what do you expect us to do? We can't like welcome you back in the club. Half the players are going to be really pissed off, and we look like we don't have control. You've done it to yourself." And maybe think- he accepted that. I- it- it could just really grind his gears that it wasn't working. But what he didn't realise yeah. at all was any self-reflection. He was devoid of any kind of like, um, you know, of any grain of self-reflection on that. So, and, and you listed them off last week, Milo. There's loads of things there which could be where we've ended up where we are now, really, or it not working. I mean, the bizarre thing it's not working is that we were fourth in the league and a shitty penalty from being third, <laughs> which is almost like really bizarre. But it still looked like a dead duck, even if we were third in the league, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I like Stellini, so I'm I'm pleased yeah, to stay around. Good. It, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether he 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 has an interest in the job permanently, and whether this is an audition or not. That'd be an interesting turn of events, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would really be a fascinating turn of events. I mean, let's spit. Do you think that is? Do you think that is a possibility, or do you think everyone's just playing well, like their a, roles like till a, the end like of the a season? Solskjaer moment where he goes on a run, and then we think, "Oh, oh. Word. that that gives <laughs> me that that gives me the, the jitters." Actually, when you say that, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't. Um, you know, you look at the list we've just rattled through. He, you know, if, if we if he was on that list in his own right, he wouldn't be on my top four. But if he got if he got the results, finished you know finished fourth or third, even um, he might be in with a claim, might be in with a shout. I don't know. I mean, I mean, the thing I think we have to be happy with is this is almost like as minimal disruption as possible in a 10-game season. Yes. And we're still up against teams that are quite flaky as well. So there mm. is, it's, you know, it's not like we're in seventh now and trying to shoot higher. We can, you know, teams can overtake us with the games in hand, but there's a funny load of results there and they have been all season. So, you know. Yeah. 
and yeah. and we've got to play some of the clubs we're competing for fourth place with. So um, you, you know, you beat them, and and you're in a strong position, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. Eight full days for the dynamic duo to prepare. Um, we're certainly get uh, going to get a, a look into whether the great form that they enjoyed, uh, you know, together uh, when Conti was out, uh, <laughs> you know, was because Conti was not maybe able to bug them. Uh, we're going to find all of that out. It's going to be an interesting ride. But yeah, Stellini and Mason for the rest of the season. And you've heard uh, what we think about the runners and riders that have been put forth for the next permanent manager of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. The week that was, chaps, shall we? Should we rattle through this pretty quickly? Yeah. <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting late. I've got to get this edited out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll start. Pre-season. The club announced a pre-season game against West Ham in Perth, Australia in July as part of an Asia-Pacific tour with another two games in Asia to be announced. Postacoglu is expected to be announced as a marketing coup. Uh, that, sorry. that last bit was a joke. Sorry. I just, I just think, it's, I think it's just bold of West Ham having a fixture on the other side of the uh, world so close to the start of the championship season. <laughs> Boom. Next. Next. <laughs> <laughs> fan engagement standard the club are adopting the premier league's new fan engagement standard they probably they previously committed to this and let's be honest there's probably they probably had little choice uh part of this will be setting up a fan advisory board the remit of the fab uh <laughs> steph's written in here I, I mean that i mean it's a ted lasso like acronym isn't it um will include the club's strategic vision on objectives off-pitch performance updates priorities and plans Operational match day issues, proposals relating to significant changes to the club, uh, heritage assets, which I, I assume means the, the, the colour of shirt we play in, the crest, the name of the club and all that kind of stuff. Um, stadium issues and plans, uh, the club's community strategy, uh, quality, diversity and inclusion uh, commitments and plans for broader supporter engagement. The FAB will be comprised of members drawn from the following. So season ticket holders from the men's and women's teams, one Hotspur members, domestic official clubs, uh, supporters clubs members, international supporters clubs. The Trust, Proud Lily White, Spurs Ability and Spurs Reach. Donna Marie Cullen will over, overseeing the implementation of this and will be, uh, will be the board, the club's board rep. Right, moving swiftly on without any further comment. Um, <laughs> I've got something Harry to say. Harry Kane. Uh, no, no, we move swiftly on. Oh, we must move on. a good no, joke. No, we can't. a good joke. Had a good we joke. Go on, Em. Go on. Go well, on. I was, I was wondering when the representatives came in for each like meeting, whether they get handed the um, run by DMC um, T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, run dear. Is that? Wow. Oh, my word. Are you suggesting she would tell them to walk this way to their their positions? Is that what you're saying? Wow. Very good. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a lot more that could be said, isn't there, really? But we'll move on. I'm sure sure we'll get a chance. (laughs) (laughs) We will. We will. We are trying to rise above. Um, Anyway, it was a good jump. It's it's a good thing. It's a good thing that there's, you know, actually... Was this part of the Tracy Crouch thing as well? Yeah, it was, was, yeah. And and, and the club committed to this um, in the fallout fallout after the Super League. We committed to this. And then um, once the kind of Crouch review had uh, sent its proposals, we said we would follow what the Premier League were going to set up. So, yeah, this has been on the cards for a while. Anyway, yeah, and as 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 you said, Milo, it is a fa- you know it is a good thing. Fab is a good thing, and 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 the comments were not necessarily about the. Uh, the oh the, no, know, I was talking. I was, I was talking about the Run DMC joke. That was the good thing I was talking about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, Harry Kane 
He's England's record goal scorer. Uh, his 54th goal for England against Italy and Napoli, the second and winning goal in a 2-1 win during this Euro 2024 qualifier, came for the penalty spot. It was his first penalty since the World Cup quarterfinal miss against France, and thus we saw an outpouring of emotion from Kane, which served two masters, you'd think. Uh, he played probably his best game for England in a couple of years. Um, he was aggressively pressing in the 90th minute. And why not? Because his 54 goals have come in 81 appearances. And for context, Wayne Rooney, whose record he broke, scored 53 goals in 120 appearances. Uh, you can do the math. It's incredible. One would have to think it is only a matter of time before those pompous oafs at the Ballon d'Or recognise the supreme talents of a striker whose record in all tournaments is second to none. Got his 55th tonight as well. Um, Hybia and Poro interviews have events have kind of gone beyond this now. So we we were talking about um kind of where the, what we've got here about their interviews during the international break and in relation to kind of Conte's outburst last weekend. I'll I'll skip the preamble and just say that uh Hoybier, um gave his, his thoughts on Conte's comments. He said he gave a very honest and very open press conference. It's because he's not satisfied. You don't do that if you've reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League and if you're in the semi-final of the FA Cup. I understand that uh, if you want to be su- uh, successful as a team, you need 11 men who are committed to the projects and culture. But I think he has to elaborate on how he feels before you as a player can start measuring uh, start measuring and weighing. So I think that was in relation to... I think Hoybier had said that, she, that he, the first he heard about it was... When he was leaving the ground, he Conte hadn't said anything to him before doing that press conference, which I don't think really reflects on Conte very well, does it? That he went, you know, if no. if he's saying that the players don't have you know the heart for it and all that kind of stuff, and he hasn't ever said that to the players, yeah, then it terrible. does, yeah, it's poor and it, it kind of feels like excuse, excuse, excuses, doesn't it? And I also feel a bit sorry for our players who were getting questions about this on international duty when you know they didn't really know what he meant by it. It's uh, they were put in a really bad position. Uh, Pedro Porro had a, it's a fantastic interview or you know, article by Sid Lowe in the Guardian this week, uh, which I think I mean, Steph, we were talking about this before we came on on air. Mm-hmm. It's we really encourage people to read it. Porro comes yeah. across really well and. You know, I think you can already see that it's going to play there. It's going to be, you know, a real fan favourite. Yeah. Um, so again, I think same. He he hadn't heard this, and so when asked about it, he said, "Well, that's his opinion. I'm not getting involved there. That's not for me." Um, he also had something to say about Timmy Sherwood <laughs> during punditry duty. The Leicester game, Sherwood has said the following about Porro: "I don't want to keep picking on the kid, but he needs to be relieved of his duties at the moment." Sherwood said on Sky Sports: "I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because it's his debut, but Pedro Porro is so bad, it's unbelievable. His positioning is disgusting. Barnes and Madison are destroying him down the left hand side." Porro responded by saying, "For me, it makes no difference. I don't know him. I don't know what, he, uh, what hap- had happened." For him to speak, people passed it on saying he'd spoken badly about me, but he won't be the first uh, who had to shut his mouth. Good on you, Pedro. Good on you, Pedro, that. indeed. I've got a cut in as well. Did you see that bizarre? Then this is something, it's not quite weak that was, but I've got to throw this out. Did you both catch Teddy Sheringham's bizarre comments on the managerial situation at the club, where he actually yeah. basically turned around and said, we, we should give the job to Tim Sherwood, he's a he's a good man, and and, and I mean, that's, how shocking was that? That might have been the most shocking thing of the week, actually. Well, that's Teddy's view, isn't it? I don't I don't really uh, listen too much to what Teddy says and that. Oh. Um, and we can listen to Sherwood all day long, really, because he doesn't really shut his mouth that often, does he? So, I mean, yeah, it, it, he was a great player for us, but Teddy's a moron, isn't he? It was a, it was certainly a moronic thing moronic to say, was. I think, wasn't it? 
Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, but you know, he, he's talking up for one of his golf, golf buddies, isn't he? So I suppose he is joining, join the club, I suppose would be the phrase. Yeah. I don't know. I'm never going to top Jay's pun. Jay's got the best pun of, 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 of the pod. We have uh, recorded our first pod with a managerial uh, departure happening live in the, the game is about glorious history. Chaps. <laughs> It's been it's been an odd one, isn't it? This mm. one, it's been fun Definitely. but odd. Yeah, What's couldn't have gone better, really. <laughs> Talk, well, we're talking about the. Oh, I suppose we got to the summer now, so we talked all the candidates up, and then we're going to have to watch them all drop one by one until um, the summer comes. I assume no one's going to come in before the summer. I suppose this looks pretty set in stone, wouldn't you think? Well, or we might sign someone up who starts on the first of July. Yeah, yeah, because we don't I, I, really also, I suppose, want to necessarily lose anyone to anyone else, do we? No. And so, I mean, one of the things. So with Poch, I didn't, I didn't mention. Uh, you know, when we talked about him, we, you know, we talked about his experience at PSG. We talked about his experience at PSG, but he joined mid-season there and came, found himself under a lot of pressure. And he might, you know, as a result of that, not want to repeat that experience. And you know, certainly with kind of his coaching, it it always took him a while to get his ideas across to players. Yeah. yeah. So he might not be the kind of person who fits coming in mm. mid-season particularly well. Yeah, I'd say that we've got. 10 games with Stellini and Mason, everyone focused on the the main objective, which is to maintain our position. Let's not forget, we are, (laughs) as it sits, in the top four. Let's not forget that. So maintenance is headway, as the great writer Magnus Mills uh, once titled uh, a book. On that, thank you very much, chaps. It's been a good one. (laughs) We'll be back next week to talk about Stellini and Mason's first game in charge against Everton. Well, a little more than next week, won't it? It'll be uh, eight or nine days' time. Yeah, it's, it's Monday night, so the pod will be out. Oh. Yeah, we'll record after the game, and the pod will be out around midnight. So it'll be ready for you your go. Tuesday morning with your cornflakes. There you go. Very good. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you.